What's up, everybody? This is Cinema Parlor. I'm Nolan Tuck. Stacy Glover. Stacy, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Uh, on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about All That Jazz. That's right. 1979 Bob Fosse. Very good. So, Cinema Parlor, for those unfamiliar, is a bi-weekly show where every episode, one of us will pick a film and bring to the table and discuss... And uh, go in depth on said film or set of films. That's right. Uh, so this week was Stacy's pick, and uh, we'll be getting into that. But first, as always, uh, Stacy, what are you drinking this week? Oh, this week, living that simple life, going some Jim Beam and Coke, and I'm trying out this. I'm double fisting. Oh man, I've got this at once. Founders Solid Gold Premium Lager. You're the Kevin Gates of podcasting. That. That's you right. Got, you got two drinks. <laughs> that's good. All right, man. I'm uh, I'm actually I'm drinking some brandy tonight, so just a uh, just a nice little nightcapper. Heck yeah, man. And it's only eight o'clock, so I don't know. But anyway, it's good. So what you been up to, man? So on the docket here over the last couple weeks, um, one is uh, well, a few of these things actually we watched together, so I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but some things I watched on my own. One would be. Well, All After Hours by Martin Scorsese. Uh, This is the first time I've seen this movie. This is uh, one he did in the 80s. I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, the mainstays from Scorsese, but a lot of his quote-unquote lesser work I haven't seen, and uh, this is one that I'd wanted to catch up to for a long time and finally got around to watching it, and I really liked it a lot, and I would highly recommend checking it out. Yeah, man, I've heard great things about it. Um... Yeah, Griffin Dunn. I love that dude. American Werewolf in London. So, yeah, I need to check it out sometime. Yeah, it's it's a zany film. It's it's a very dark film, but also quite funny. Um, I think it would... I know this uh, comparison was made a lot when the movie came out, but I think a double feature of that in Good Time would probably be a, a really interesting night. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, check it out. I uh, really dug it. Awesome. What about you? Man, I've been really slow on the movies this week. I, uh, I mean, most of the stuff I think we've watched together. Well, like, yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's so get into some of that. We watched Hereditary over the last week. Yeah. Which, uh, man, that movie's awesome. I thought so anyways. Yeah, I really dug it. I've I, actually seen it twice over the last week. Man, <laughs> that, that's awesome. It, so it's from the filmmaker from The Witch, right? No, a different filmmaker. Oh, different filmmaker. Same company. So A24. Okay. This is, uh, by Aster is his last name, I believe. Ari Aster, I hope I'm getting that right. Hey, um, my mistake, you know. Uh, this is his first feature. Impressive filmmaking. I mean, really, I was impressed with it, uh, especially how uh, he was able to just fit everything on the frame that he did. I was impressed with his editing, his lighting. Um, yeah, great stuff, man. Yeah, I, I like that movie a lot, man. It, it creeped uh, me out. Yeah, it kind of reminded me, it had a little, like, Rosemary's Baby vibe, as far as, like, mm-hmm. you know, story structure and pace. Sure. Which I really dug. Yeah, it, um, I wouldn't say it would like I wasn't scared, but I definitely I I I have an anxiety issue to begin with. But I was like in just some hard anxiety during the movie, especially at the last like fifteen minutes. My heart was just racing. No, and I'll say like Tony Collette, like she deserves an Oscar nom. Like her performance was fantastic. Yeah, she did a really good job, and uh, like the whole cast is just really great. And uh, watching it a second time, I picked up on a few things. I missed out on the first time, so uh, I think it's definitely worth rewatching. Like, even I just rewatched it within a week of each other, and it was uh, 
you know held up really great that's awesome past, so yeah great stuff so yeah uh anything else yeah i watched uh well you sort of watched it's alive yeah it's larry alive. cohen larry cohen film i was kind of in and out on that one because i guess i was too tired man that mo- it's larry cohen if you're not familiar with his work you should definitely check it out it's uh He's an interesting filmmaker. You know, he he makes like these crazy things that shouldn't work, but he elevates them. So it's alive. It's kind of like the demonic baby thing, you know, going on. But the acting is so good in it. Like it, it's just a surprisingly good film. But uh, you know, other flicks from him: uh, God Told Me To, uh, Cue the Winged Serpent, uh, The Stuff, which I've yet to see. He's an interesting filmmaker. You know, check him out. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I will rewatch that movie someday because, like I said, I not that I wasn't interested. I was just too tired that night, and I passed out. Such is life. <laughs> All right. Well, um, anything else you want to get to before we uh, head into our main review? No, man. I I think we're ready for some uh, some all that jazz. All right. This movie. Uh, Bob Fosse did. It was nominated for nine Oscars. Wow. The year it came out, nineteen seventy nine. It won Oscars for Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Film Editing, and Music, and it was also nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, Screenplay, and Cinematography. So it it was a big behemoth when it came out. Sure. Which all of his films kind of are. I mean, he only did, I think, five motion pictures? So there's like the three really big ones, and those were all nominated for Best Picture, uh, Cabaret, Lenny, and then all that jazz. Right. Then he also did, I think before that, Calamity Jane. And then after, his last film was Star 80. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those films got some critical acclaim, but no Best Picture nods. All right. Well, uh, give us a little uh, plot synopsis, if you will. Yeah, it's a uh, semi-biographical picture uh, focusing on Joe Gideon, who is kind of a stand-in for Bob Fosse himself, and he's played by Roy Schreider, and it follows him as he's editing his latest film, The Stand-Up, which is kind of a stand-in for Lenny, you know, when uh, Fosse was editing that film, and he's also directing a new big-budget Broadway show for his ex-wife. It's kind of a uh, vanity piece for her. You know, she's playing a, uh, you know, a 25-year-old, and she's, I I think they imply she's late 30s, early Mm -hmm. 40s, and the movie cuts between, you know, this main story and then it goes along with uh, vignettes from his past and also scenes of him discussing his life with a character named Angelique, which is played by Jessica Lange, which is a stand-in for death. And it's all set in this, you know, surreal, you know, kind of in a dreamscape of his. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of cutting back and forth between all of that. That's the, the basis of the film. This was the first time I'd seen this movie. And uh, you've seen it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a masterpiece. Uh, I, I think, think you're right. <laughs> um, you know, it's one of those movies I can't wait to watch again because I was just, I was pumped on it. Most notably, I think it's, the first half is a very interesting look at kind of this this dude's life um, as a director, as a choreographer. It goes in and out with flashbacks a little bit on, um, you know, as a child with him growing up. It's almost a biopic of sorts mm-hmm. in the first half. A movie that I feel had a lot of influence on how people would kind of change the form a little bit with biopics, even though it's not a technical biopic, right? And uh, I like that a lot. Uh, one thing I'll note is in the first half of the film a lot is I love the opening scene 
So we get the song on Broadway mm-hmm. that plays over um, as uh, we see Roy Schreider doing auditions for yeah, a casting uh, call. This casting call that uh, for this Broadway play he's going to be doing. Real quick, I just want to throw out there and just some influence I took right away, and these are some more. You know, kind of lower art, probably, but um, just some things in popular culture that, you know, I noticed right off the bat is uh, something like the movie Pitch Perfect. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, in that movie, they have their auditions and things like that. I noticed a big influence for something like that just from that first opening scene, which I think is pretty cool. Another movie, kind of popcorn fluff here, is Bring It On. Uh, and you notice in that movie, there's a dude with jazz hands, and he looks just like Roy Schreider from this movie. Oh, yeah. So just some fun stuff like that I, I noticed right off the bat in pop culture, and uh, just stuff I hadn't known before because I'd never seen this movie. Uh, but yeah, I like the movie a whole lot, and I think the movie is best uh, when it deals with with death and when it's looking at um, your mortality, and I think that's when the movie just is uh, on top top level, top form. I like this movie a lot. I I think it's fantastic. And Roy Schreider, his performance in this film is one of my favorite performances. He's one of my favorite actors. I he's if you haven't checked out much of his stuff, like if you only know him from Jaws and like Sequest, he kills it. Like every movie he's in, like he's great. He elevates whatever he's in and man, this movie's no different. Like he owns the role. And man, I really like the uh and they, you know, they use it in other things um, after the repetition of him getting ready for the day. Right. You know, um, the shower, um, yep. popping, you know, the speed. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then looking in the mirror and jazz hands. Yeah, it's pretty great. that, that Yeah, mo- it's showtime, baby. Showtime. Yeah. That motif comes up about, it, it probably does it four or five times in yeah. the movie. Well, yeah, there's things that, you know, kind of borrow that. Like the opening for Dexter is mm-hmm. very much like that, just showing that repetition Yep. And, you know, I love that. Um, I love the editing, you know, with the stand-up act. Like, it keeps going back mm-hmm. to that monologue that he keeps working on. And then later on, like, that monologue becomes so important, you know, towards the end of the film. Because they keep intercutting it, you know, with his, you know, between kind of his waking life and, you know, like his death dreams. The dance numbers here and the choreography is fantastic. I really liked... Um, this uh, this scene, like, kind of towards the end of the first half of the movie, and it's this very sexualized uh, dance number. Yeah. Um, it's a great little dance so, number. So, Take Off With Us. Yeah, that's so right. So, it's originally written by his songwriter as a um, kind of a fluff piece, like a, you know, classic musical, like, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. very played up. Um, I can't think of the actor's name, but uh, it, it's just a very showy piece, and... Part of the crux for, you know, the drama for him doing this show is he can't figure out what to do with that piece. Mm -hmm. And there's this great scene that he has with his ex-wife. He's showing his frustration. He's like, you know, I don't don't think I can do this. I'm going to have to quit the show because of this stupid number that he can't figure out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the songwriter's like, oh, he's going to cut it and all this stuff. And they have this wonderful scene where they're just dancing and he's stretching her out. Right. And... She's just, you know, talking him through it, <laughs> yep. and it's a wonderful scene. There's so many little scenes in this movie like that that are just great character moments, and mm-hmm. they tell so much story through just, like, these vignettes. 
And he comes back with this number that you were talking about, the take off with us, uh, Erotica. Mm-hmm. So it goes in that, like that song that he wrote, it's kind of a sexed up piece. And then it cuts into like this surreal, you know, like a circus soleil, right? You know, everybody takes their clothes off mm-hmm. and like, as far as like gender and stuff, it doesn't matter. You have guys with guys, girls mm-hmm. with girls, all this stuff. And something I found fantastic about that scene, um, Sandal Bergman, she is the lead dancer in that, the, the blonde that's the focus. Sure. Dude, she is phenomenal. Yeah. Now I know you haven't seen the movie yet, but she's also in Conan the Barbarian. Nice. And like, she's great. Like she, that scene, I don't think you can take your eyes off the screen, man. Like, no, I and was... the way it's shot and cut, mm-hmm. like, and that's another thing I love about this movie, man. It's shot so well. Like, it's it's so kind to its actors. Oh, sure. It's This was the, the first movie I've seen of Fosse's. And I was literally blown away. I mean, not only from his editing, uh, but also, like, his lighting. Uh, I really love how he uses the light in especially the sequences where he's talking to uh, Death or some type of Angelique, angel character, yeah. character played by... Uh, uh, the great Jessica Lang. Oh, she's but, so great. Um, also, uh, also noticing just the way he uses color. Um, again, we'll talk about probably after a while the last dance sequence, but like just the the color in that and the costumes that he uses are just unbelievable. The choreography, I was so impressed by. Um, I can't wait to see uh, something like uh, Cabaret because uh, I just I want to see more dance sequences. Mm-hmm. Um, that Fosse uh, directs, uh, and I, I just love the way that uh, that he shoots this film, man. It's uh, pleasing. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, another thing about this movie that stands out to me is just how well-written it is. I know it was, like, nominated for, you know, Best Original Screenplay, and it, and it shows. And the cool thing about it is it's very aware of how good it is. It's a little pretentious, sure. which I love. It earns it. But, um... So, something that I wanted to talk about as far as, like, the screenplay, uh, one example is when he's with his girlfriend. So, Joe's girlfriend in this movie is played by an actress named Anne Reeking, and she plays herself. She was actually Bob Fosse's girlfriend at the time. We'll get to some of that in a little bit, but um, I love that they're having this fight in her apartment complex, and he's going over, he's musing with death of, you know, Angelique about how relationships don't really matter to him, how he's a very self-centered person. He loves women, but he doesn't, you know, want to commit to anything. You know, she's talking and she's like, you know, you're so generous and stuff. And she's has this line, I just wish you weren't so generous with your cock. And he has this sly smile and he responds with, that's good. I'm going to use that sometime. (laughs) And like, yeah, it is good. It's a great line. Very good. I'll talk about real quick. Um, couple of my favorite scenes i really enjoy the scene um when uh he has his girlfriend over for dinner one night and his daughter is also there and they decide to put on a show for him as Mm -hmm. far as a musical number and i thought that was a really cute little scene um the way that uh, his daughter and his girlfriend interact together uh i just thought it was oh and it's framed so well just well done and just shows uh that how loving that relationship is and i just really like that a lot it is framed brilliantly uh and then uh another scene that uh i really like uh you know from that uh first half of the movie is uh well just him and his daughter just anytime they're connecting 
with each other. Like there's a time they, they have a very close relationship. So mm-hmm. like you'll see uh, there's a scene where um, she is actually uh, you know practicing because she wants to be a dancer right. herself, and and you see she's just practicing, and he has to take her. I believe it's home or whatever, and it's raining out and everything, and he picks her up and he grabs her, and you can just see this loving relationship, and it's just, uh, I don't know, I, I just felt a lot for that character. Yeah, her not wanting to end practice right. and just spend more time with him, so he's carrying her mm-hmm. off and she walks her legs around right. him. Mm-hmm. Good stuff there. And uh, yeah, so uh, let's talk a little bit here, um, if you will, about the second half of the film, because the second half gets very dark. Yeah, so... <laughs> What I think's interesting about the movie, so it's about Bob Fosse's life. Like, he was inspired to do this after having troubles with finishing Lenny and doing this play. Like, it's very autobiographical. And I think it's interesting because it's very pessimistic. The way, so his girlfriend, for example, the way that that relationship's viewed is he he ends up in the hospital and he confronts her about you know her sleeping with someone else like she was cheating on him and in one of his you know death dreams like we'll get to it later you know he sees her with the man that she's gonna be with after him mm-hmm. and i just think that's interesting because like from my understanding, I think he was with her at the time that he made the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so pessimistic. And sure. the, just Joe's behavior, it, it's very self-destructive. He is aware that everything he's doing is killing him. Right. The stress of all this work, you know, it, it's going to kill him. And all the drugs, the boozing, the smoking, you know, it, it is killing him. But it's like he doesn't care. Right. And I think that's interesting because, you know, Fosse died very young. He was, I think he was only 61, 62 when he died. It's just kind of interesting, like, pondering, you know, your own mortality through art. Going into this movie, I, I didn't know, I really didn't know much about this movie. In fact, going in, I, I kind of knew a little bit that um, the look at death and mortality would be involved a little bit. Mm-hmm. But... I had it in my head that this was an AIDS movie. I don't know why. Oh, big surprise to me when I found out that's not what this movie is about at all. It's, you know, it's still about a disease, but being mm-hmm. heart disease on this. Um, did you know it was autobiographical? No, I did not. Okay. Now, afterwards, of course, mm-hmm. as you said, yeah, and it adds another layer and to the film. Another thing, I mean... I don't know if you've seen it or if you want to talk about it or if you felt anything like that, but I guess a big influence on this film was Eight and a Half. I have sure. not seen Eight and a Half, so I like. I know that there's probably plenty of allusions to that, but I don't want to speak on that because I wouldn't know what I'm talking about. And I will actually make a confession. I have not seen Eight and a Half myself either. Everybody uh, has gaps <laughs> in their film knowledge, yeah, uh, so it, it's something we'll get to. Fellini is a big, uh, big, big gap for me um, as well. I, I like you. I know a lot about his work. I just haven't right. seen his films, but I have noticed um, that Eight and a Half is brought up a lot in this movie, and uh, it makes perfect sense. From yeah, what I've understood after. after I, I also got kind of allusions to uh, Seventh Seal, like the sure. him with Angelique, right? You know, kind of. Uh, you know, pondering his life with death. Right. Not trying to, uh, you know, 
deal with it, but at the same time not wanting this your is time a much to end. less philosophical sure. work. Mm-hmm. This is more of a personal work. Yeah, uh, for sure. One thing I found uh, kind of interesting and in, about the end, which I think is clever, is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. I guess is uh, you know we see Roy Schreider in the hospital, and we see a lot of time when he's looking at the TV and on the TV screen. Should we quickly cut back to how he gets there? Yes, go for that first. Okay, so they're doing a read-through of the play, going through the script, and he... Oh, and it's it's filmed so brilliantly, and the use of sound is great. So he's kind of having, like, a, a breakdown, like a nervous, like, like tick, like anxieties or something. Uh, you know, he hears this, you know, play and, like, the dialogue and stuff, and it just cuts out. And you hear nothing except, like, what he's doing. Like, tapping on the chair, breaking his pencil, Mm -hmm. and stuff. And then he has, you know, problems with his heart. And so they take him to the hospital. You find out that, like, oh, he's overworked, overstressed. And then it becomes something worse. Right. Yeah. And uh, so he ends up having to have surgery. I assume back then, these things were not as hopeful as they are now <laughs> a lot of time when you hear you have to have heart surgery dude that made me squirm like yeah. <laughs> actually because like i have a giant ass scar mm-hmm. down the middle of my chest yeah. like that's probably how that happened yeah you know i i had open heart surgery you know as a youngster and yeah you know it's like ugh. yeah and so you know he has heart surgery and you know he 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 doesn't uh, recover that greatly because first off um while he's in the hospital he decides that he is going to keep on living life as he was before, only he's in a Yeah, hospital. he's throwing parties in the hospital. Gets, he's smoking in the bathroom. You get this nice little montage. Yeah, drinking uh, champagne. Drinking champagne, having girls come over, hang out with him. Yeah. Uh, just just all kind of shenanigans. And it's kind of lighthearted, you know? Like, right. the masseuse is, like, rubbing him yep. down. He keeps, like, playing yep. with her ass. Right. <laughs> and that's, that's one thing, kind of, even though... I, we've both kind of talked about how dark the film gets at the same time. It's also played in this lighthearted way. Well, like Joe Gideon, like the way he lives his life, like he's a piece of shit. Like Mm -hmm. he's a womanizer. He's an abuser. Like he, he abuses drugs. Dude's, you know, chain smoker. Got that chronic cough going, but Roy Schreider's so charming in the role. Like you, I, at least me anyways, like, I like him. Oh, I'm, I'm rooting you. for him. Like, he's such a charismatic character. And you see it through, like, the people around him love him. His actors love him. Mm-hmm. Like, even though he's difficult and can be a shit. Right. Like, they love him because they know that he's, like, he he knows what's best. He's going to get the best out of him. You know, the women in his life, his daughter, his ex-wife, his girlfriend, like, they all love him. And that's what makes it so hard is, you know... Yep. No, 100% with you, man. And and uh, he he is so charismatic in this movie and I love his just his overall look. Like I love his hair, his his beard, yeah. the way he dresses, like everything is just like I want to you wish you could be that guy. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I could look that good, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially at that age. Yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah, so uh also let's get in real quick before I start going back to what I was going to say mm-hmm. is uh while he's in the hospital, um so we find out that his movie did not do so well. Yeah, it. Uh, they released the movie while he's in the hospital, and you know some of the. It was a TV critic, which 
it, it's kind of funny. So this movie makes fun of the business and it's very mean and critical to show business in general. And it it's kind of making fun of like the Roger and Ebert style like criticism that was on TV during right. the time. You know, where it, it's very showy. She has like what balloons or something that she like Yep. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, this movie's a stinker and she's very yep. like hard on the film mm-hmm. and not really I, I don't know. It, it wasn't really playing at anything that was actually... I got this like, kind of... Maybe I'm wrong here, but I, maybe like a, a Pauline Kale. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe they were kind of... Of course, I don't know. I mean, we'd probably have to go back and read her review on Lenny and see if that's <laughs> what they were referencing. But that's very true. Yeah, I definitely took it as like the TV critic that, you know, kind of became popular in the late 70s and, you know, early to mid 80s. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, where it's just kind of for show and stuff. Right. So yeah, we have that going on, and then also while this is going on, uh, we also find out that his play, of course, he's not there. Yeah, so and uh, we get a little bit some John Lithgow. Yeah, John Lithgow shows up. Um, he's actually portraying um, somebody who is a real life person. Most of the characters in this film are based on real life equivalents in Bob Fosse's life. Um, I can't think of the dude's name offhand, but. He had a rival director in New York that, you know, they would, you know, vie for shows and, yeah. you know, what was, like, most profitable and stuff. And they, they kind of play at that, you know, in the dinner scene with John Lithgow and the producer where the waitress comes up and she's like, oh, you're my, like, favorite director. Well, except for um, Joe Gideon. <laughs> no, yep. you're my second, second favorite director. Favorite. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, so that's a, that's a nice, funny little, like, rub at his rival. Um, Very good. Also... You know, it is really mean to show business. Like, he talks about how, like, he's very blatant with, there's a girl early in the movie where he's just wanting to have sex with her. She's not that great of a dancer. And, you know, she's like, do you think I'm going to be a movie star? And he's just, no. No. No, you are not. And later on, like, he's like, yeah, I don't even think you're going to be a good dancer, but I'm going to make you a better dancer. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and that's kind of, that's a nice scene. It Um, is. Yeah. But it, it, it's very critical in that, so they've got, what, like a million, over a million dollars invested in this production of right. this Broadway show. It's a high budgeted show. They've already got like so many sets and all this stuff built. And there's a scene where there's a meeting with the insurance agents, you know, that are insuring the backing of the show. And they're debating about like would it be more profitable if joe gideon died or if he mm-hmm. came back and did the show yeah and they're talking about like you know this might be the only show that turns a profit without ever being made if he dies so like if he mm-hmm. dies your investment's protected and yep. it's really mean-spirited yeah like like you know these lives don't really matter and this business is just going to eat you up and i i think he even says that to one of the girls at one point that like you know, show businesses, you know, it might be to his girlfriend in that scene, you know, she's musing, leaving. Yes. Uh, One question I had for you real quick. Yeah. Um, Who, what is the, uh, her name in the movie, who plays his kind of ex-wife or the, or his, his, uh, at least his daughter's mom? Do you know who that is? Yeah, Leland Palmer. Leland Palmer. She plays Audrey Paris. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to her. Because I thought she was really great. In the yeah, film. she's also a professional dancer in real life. Very good. I just, I was really impressed with her performance. Yeah. Oh, she's great, man. Now I love those scenes that, 
you know, we were talking earlier about how, like, how much you care about Joe Gideon because of the characters around him, like, how much love they show him. And she's got some great scenes of, you know, in the hospital, like, when she knows he's not getting any better and she's standing in the doorway just bawling. Yeah. Yeah. Like, man, that scene's heartbreaking. And, like, when she's lying to her daughter about, like, if he's going to be okay or not. Yeah. And, like, she's like, yeah, it is a lie. It is a lie. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's so tough. good, man. And I love, like, you know, we're going to talk about more about this later, but when he he has his breakdown in the hospital, he goes through his five phases of death. Right. And, and that, that comes up a lot during the whole movie. Yeah. As you see, like, that's the uh, comedy special that he was making, right? The movie he was directing. Yeah. You see this, uh, the comedian talk about like multiple times another motif he uses in this film is about the five stages of grief right or, uh-huh and he talks about all these stages and we hear him over and over again leading up to inevitably what would uh, become his Joe's demise demise right yeah so he there's this lavish thing at the end this beautiful production and it, it's kind of played like a variety show where he is directing himself in the hospital bed while dreaming all of right. this mm-hmm. and there's this these beautiful numbers with his daughter his ex-wife and his girlfriend mm-hmm. that they all three share and it's just songs about like him and like wanting him to get better and i i i thought they were great and i'll, I'll be honest by that point in the movie like i'm always like real emotional because i'm i'm a super emotional guy when i watch movies i appreciate great acting and great writing so if it can like, you know, if it's got me hooked, man, I'm like, I'm there. Very and good. by that point, man, I was, that's, I'm always. That's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so after those, I'm going to get into this. What I was going to talk about earlier now sure. is what I found to be really clever is, you know, we see all these scenes with him in the hospital and a lot we see on the TV is this, uh, this I'm taking it it's a game show host or a variety show host. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a variety show. And what I find so clever about this is if you think about it and you're in the hospital and you're dying and you see this a lot on the TV when you're hallucinating or having dreams uh-huh. like he's doing, it's probably going to be one of the last things you see, right? Yeah. And it's going to be in your mind. So when we get this final dance number, we're going to talk about here probably, uh, this guy is like hosting his uh final uh his final countdown here yeah, his final well, number and at this time you know, i just thought that was re- that's really clever yeah late 70s um you know talk shows variety shows were like the big thing you had like the muppet show ed sullivan um like sunny and share like the, it, all these celebrities had their different variety shows and this was kind of a play on that like this guy yeah um you know on the tv had his variety show and they make fun of it while they're right. watching it in the hospital um <laughs> they, they he's a great person a great right. humanitarian and you know that kind of shows you also with time which is a good another clever use of uh-huh. showing you time because they've seen it so much that they're able to repeat the lines before he even gets them out on the yeah. tv they know what's coming and they know what's which saying. is another cynical thing about show business sure. it's like it's just so such bullshit uh-huh. right <laughs> yeah so that's that's really good stuff and uh, so yeah, uh, just real quick, what a tell me your thoughts a little bit on that last number and the conclusion of the film. So I was reading this today. Not that my feelings on this or anything, but I was reading that by the t- before they came up with that number, he was already over budget by like so many million dollars. Oh wow! 
I guess it was like up to 10 million and it was budgeted at eight and they showed the rest of the movie to Fox and they're like, okay, yeah, you can do this last number. And I'm dude, that, that last like sequence is so killer. So you have the TV host and it's joining Joe Gideon and it, it's kind of a farewell to everybody. They do a rendition of Bye Bye Love mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of like this disco funk pop version of it. But for me, it's so emotional because you're seeing all the people in his life. There's, um, you know, there's a vignette earlier in the movie where when he's young and first getting into show business. Right. We didn't really touch on that, but um, I love that scene where it's him uh, tap dancing. And there's these, uh, he, you know, go and play at uh, like titty bars and stuff. And there's these girls that are trying to get him aroused before he goes on stage. (laughs) And he, you know... Young teenager. On and stuff. And they have their breasts out. Yeah. You know, <laughs> full on. And um, he goes out on stage and like all these like old dudes are laughing at him and stuff. And he, you know, from the audience perspective, it's just this beautiful tap dancing number. And then you get this reveal of like he just came in his pants. Right. <laughs> and they're just laughing at this big old wet spot. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because the ladies show up, you know, yep. the, the ladies who first teased yep. him. They're in his, you know, little death dream yep. and stuff. And, yeah, it's, it's all these people, um, even his rivals, his producers, um, you know, all the people he's loved, you know, are there. And he's just singing this song to him. And it's, I think it's beautiful, man. I love the staging. I love the art design. I love that it looks like a variety show. Mm-hmm. But it's it's kind of like a more spectacular, surreal version of that. So mm-hmm. you've got the, the ladies wearing these kind of gray costumes with, like, veins looking yeah like and just blue and red and gray and they the costumes are just fantastic it's a wonderful set piece and i just kind of fell in love with that and it's kind of brilliant and it's sad but it's happy at the same time yeah it's a celebration of life even though like because he's saying goodbye to everybody at the same time and everybody's telling him bye in this in the sequence so yeah it's very heartfelt but it's also like joyous at the same time dude I'll, i'll be honest like i tear up during that every time like, his acting is so good. Mm-hmm. He's so great. And then there's that shocking cut at the very end of the movie, and it's him being zipped up in a body bag. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's so shocking, man. It just hits you like a ton of bricks, yeah. like, seeing that. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I was going to say real a couple things real quick is it's very avant-garde, I think. Yeah. As far as, you know, I was kind of shocked to find out it was nominated for so many awards Mm -hmm. and it's a movie that today would never be nominated for anything. I don't think not that it's bad. I just like, I can't see that movie being mainstream any way possible. Yeah, dude, it was a big hit when it came out. Um, you know, I mean, obviously like there's so many pop culture references to it Mm -hmm. and stuff. And I mean, every movie he made was a critical and I'm pretty sure financial success. Now, I, I don't know if Lenny made a ton of money, but I know that it, you know, it did very well critically. You know, he's just fantastic, man. And that's the thing, man. Think about like that career. You know, you make five movies and three of them are nominated for all the awards. Mm-hmm. And he's so kind to his actors. Like every movie he does, you know, his actors are nominated for shit. Yeah, no, for sure, man. Like, and it's well shot. In the cutting, like, this movie's edited a way that it is very avant-garde. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I was just kind of blown blown away by that stuff because 
I don't know what I was expecting because I'd never seen a Fosse film, so I, I didn't know what to think. I just kind of well, thought this would be, you know, I I'll, thought I thought it'd be some musical numbers and stuff, but I was I was not, uh, I was blown away. Basically. From what from what I've seen of his other work, it is not like this film. Cabaret, I think, is his most critically acclaimed film. I don't think it's as interesting as all that jazz or Lenny. Um, I I love Lenny, man. That movie's fantastic. I that's a hard one to find. It, too. it is. I don't think it's in print. I think it had a it did have a Blu-ray release in the states, but it was a, a couple years ago. Was it, it Twilight was time? Twilight time. Yeah, yeah. So good luck picking that up. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably it's like seventy bucks out of a, out of print. It's one that I'd like to see. I, I think you might be able to rent it off Amazon. Maybe. Yeah, I I watched it on Netflix. I think several years back yeah. and i loved it man like that movie that's another one that's like oh man it freaking hits you yeah. and cabaret is really good it, it's also got moments like that but it's i don't know it just didn't do it for me like these two films did uh and all that jazz man i i do think it is his masterpiece mm-hmm. like you said i mean the movie's very avant-garde it's very like it's very showy it's very performance heavy movie and you know, it's nominated for nine Academy Awards. Like, bad movies don't get nominated for that much stuff. Sure. In, uh, at least in my opinion. A couple things I'll shout out real quick. We talked about the editing a lot. Um, I'm going to shout out to the editor, Alan Heim. Yeah. And then also, again, impressed with the cinematography here. And I'm going to give a shout out to Giuseppe Rattuno. Uh, he was a cinematographer there, so I want to give a shout out to those two well, guys. Well, and, you know, it, it did win for editing, and it was nominated for cinematography. Um that year, I think Kramer vs. Kramer came out that year, so that won most of the big awards. And I will say the only, um, my only discrepancy with, uh, you know, the acclaim it gets. Um, art design, you know, it is wonderful. It's fantastic. But Alien should have won that year. Oh, wow. Okay. But, you know, sci-fi movies. Hey, Alien is one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, but so. man, all that jazz. So you you really like this movie. I loved it. So let's go ahead and I'm, I'm going to give... I gave it four and a half stars on my letterbox. I... Um, <laughs> uh, like I said, probably, you know, this is a movie I'm going to rewatch a lot because I think it's worth studying and worth rewatching because of the craft. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's something that down the road i give five stars too because i like i said i think it's a masterpiece but it's something that i don't think you can fully take in in one watch sure so i loved it yeah i've seen it a few times now um i i gave it five stars on my letterbox i do think it's a masterpiece and i'm very susceptible to films that like if they make me feel something even like just visually like like we were talking about like that that sequence for the uh you know, takeoff number, like that dance number, it's so well shot and cut. And like the people in it are so beautiful and captivating. It's like, you can't take your eyes off the screen. Like you feel something there. And man, Roy Schreider's performance, man, that makes me feel something. You know, if I can feel a thing like while watching a movie, that's great. And dude, like his scenes, we didn't talk about it much, but man, his scenes with Jessica Lange, Mm -hmm. there's another, I got to talk about it sure. because I love it so Go much. For it, man. The okay, so it's a story that he's telling her about when he was younger, he lived with two girls. You know, he had this romance with them and then one of the girls left one day and left a note and said that I love you, but I can't share you anymore. And you know, he's talking about how he was so flattered by that and good freaking screenwriting, man. 
Angelique replies, how do you know it was for you? Like, that's such a good line. And Roy Schreider's reaction to that line is so good. Like, he... Every time something's thrown back in his face, you know, because it, it's almost like Bob Fosse's kind of aware of his own pretension. Mm-hmm. And when yeah. it's thrown back in his face, like, he he has this, like, wry smile about him that, like... Yeah, okay. Yeah, I love yep. it so much. Like, there's so many scenes in this movie like that that I find so rewarding <laughs> just to watch. Like, and, and they hold up all, like, every element is there. You know, from the framing to the cutting to, you know, how it's written, how it's acted. Like, everything about the movie just lands for me, man. You want to talk about, uh, you know, what we watched it on? Criterion? Yeah, let's do that real quick. And I was just going to say I agree with most everything you said there and... I'm glad that you picked this movie this week. Sorry, I had a had dude. A I'm glad that you watched that. Go down the wrong pipe there. <laughs> uh, I hope that I hope you watch more Bob Fosse movies, man. Like yeah, the I, other big ones at least. I will. Uh, Cabaret is next on my list because I have the Blu-ray. Nice. And, uh, if I can find Lenny on Amazon to rent, I'm gonna do that sometime soon as well. Real quick, yeah, uh, we watched uh, this on the Criterion Blu-ray that came out a couple of years ago. This was a dual format, so this was when they were kind of in that phase, so DVD and Blu-ray edition. Mm-hmm. But this is a two-disker, and uh, has a lot of uh, special features on it. has an essay on it. Um, the transfer is was 4K reg- restoration. It yeah, it's brilliant. beautiful, man. Um, I think when I originally watched this, it was the MGM Special Edition. Okay. So, I mean, this is quite the step up. If you're going to watch the movie, get the Criterion. Very good. Um, so, yes, I, I think we both give it our highest recommendation. Yeah, it, man, if you haven't seen any Bob Fosse work, check it out. It's one of the best American films. Like, I, I'll just say that. And I, you know, this being my first uh, film of his to watch, I, it's a great starting point. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Like, you know, if you can watch something and it inspires you to watch something else from that filmmaker, like, that's that's a good sign. 100%. All right, um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, man, I I think I've gushed enough about this movie. It was worth gushing over. Uh, So uh, from Cinema Parlor, we will check you guys next time. Bye!